Hello all you wonderful listeners, I am Lubna, your host for this episode of Innovate and I welcome all of you to the podcast. We are glad you are with us. If you are new to the show, welcome and if you are tuning in again, thank you and welcome back. I hope each one of you is doing awesome, is having a great week ahead and to give you a little intro about this episode, this is the second one in a special sustainability-focused thought leadership mini-series with KBR's Ben Sofford. And the focus, dear listeners, of this episode is the energy trilemma. Yes. So in case you're wondering what the energy trilemma is, I'd like to tell you it is a term for our current energy crisis. And it refers to the balance between affordability, security and sustainability in how humanity accesses and uses energy. Yes, it is that interesting. So without further ado, I'm going to let all of you listen to this amazing episode where interviewer Nick Eason talks to our guest, Thud Ben Sofford, who's the Vice President of Sustainable Energy at KBR. Let's listen. Hi, my name is Nick Eason and I'm a journalist and I'm on an inquiry journey with KBR. The theme of this podcast is the energy trilemma and I'm joined by Ben Sawford. He's KBR's Global Vice President of Sustainable Energy. Welcome, Ben, and thank you for joining me today. Well, as always, Nick, it is a absolute pleasure to be here and I'm really, really looking forward to uh, this chat, uh, especially given everything that's going on geopolitically this year. And my goodness me, the energy markets generally, they are all over the place. So hopefully this will be a really cool conversation. Oh, you're absolutely right, Ben. And, and you know, firstly, let me introduce the topic. I mean, we're facing kind of an energy crisis right now. And for, for many, it's a trilemma involving three major challenges. How do you create energy systems that are secure, affordable, yet environmentally sustainable? And it's kind of a real hard nut to crack. But nations must find a balance and for many there are some difficult choices between three equally undesirable outcomes high prices unsecure supplies or high carbon emissions so ben how do businesses the economy and politicians balance this energy trilemma i think trilemma is uh is spot on um and and hopefully it will just rest at three right but i guess if i reflect on that question i'm also reflecting on like what a difference if you like a year makes and it's probably it's probably less than a year um we were focused really on levelized cost of energy from renewables so loce as uh, as the jargon goes and and how really the energy transition or sustainability would become what we all hoped then would be a reality and meeting you know great thing cop 26 paris goals etc and we are now rightly as you say we've got a coin a very odd shaped coin it's got three sides you've got that risk of supply the cost of supply and and overall, the carbon intensity of supply and how, how do you balance? It's not an easy one. It's really not easy to manage for, for me, Nick, and, and, and my clients and our clients that we speak to really, really hard, whether they're government, investors, developers, uh, financiers, the M&A market. The solution is different for each one of them. And it, it's also really dependent on the geography, the specific economies and, and the geopolitical nature of, of what's going on. I think. I think also, and this is kind of high level, Nick, but the, the balance of all of this, all three elements, the key is it's way beyond the five-year political term. 
and you've really got to look at how do, how do you make that decision it it would be very easy and some governments can, you can see this it's very easy to say well it's a political challenge we need to keep the voters happy let's deal with the price let's deal with the the, the, the cost of living but that for me I'd, I'd liken this to being a marathon runner and running a hundred meter race and winning it but actually it's a it's a pretty empty win the opportunity for everybody on the planet and and locally and uk plc it's actually it's the long term and it's it's a long-term win nick and that's what people really need to focus on and that's how you'll balance the three elements i believe and that and that's really interesting ben and and what do you think the risks are if we prioritize one you know side of that three shaped coin over one over the others what do you think the if we what are the risks are do you think Mm. so i'm going to start with a bit of a tree hug which isn't like me normally um I think the risks are clear, and, and I, I personally would put this one at the, at the top, which is climate. The climate needs addressing. I, you know, we're having this conversation in one of the hottest years on record, um, and today in particular is incredibly warm. You know, We have had countless records broken in the UK around, around Europe this year. We've got wildfires. We've had wildfires. We've had flooding in Australia three or four years on the trot. This is, this is a climate emergency. There is very little denying that the, the climate has changed. So for me, if we prioritise something like cost of energy and, and jump into into coal, as has been talked about in, in Germany and other parts of, of Europe, then I think we've got a problem. But we are sat at you know, a trinity, if you like, um, the, the, the energy trinity, uh, the trilemma. We can't ignore price or security. Luckily, in, in the world that I operate in and, and KBR advisory are operating in, security of supply is inherent to sustainable energy and sustainable molecules. You know, the sun shines, the wind blows, geothermal energy is pretty much boundless. And wave and hydro, well, that's not going anywhere soon. It, it, the key is going to be how do you capture and, and manage that? And that's, that's, that's the clever bit. And that's the technological advancement. And that's what we really need to get our arms around. But it, it's obvious right now politically that we're probably going to need to try and prioritize affordability over anything else if we do that though we will probably end up and pardon the pun we'll take the wind out of the sails if you like of technology and investment and that community that's really built up ahead of steam over the last two years or so in fact i was just reading an article this morning that looked at the amount of um, lithium that has been taken into the um, into the market over the last eight years it's gone up by 300 percent so the, the market is there. Decarbonisation and energy transition is happening. So it is happening and we really don't want to slow that down. We would run the risk, I think, as UK PLC of probably letting others on our planet um, take the leadership position in technology and indeed the overall supply chain of, of clean electrons and everything that goes with it. And what, what's interesting from, from what you're saying, Ben, is, is that, you know, we, we've got short term and long term dilemmas here or trilemmas and we have to think of a clever way of navigating the energy trilemma here do you think there is a there is a sweet spot so, so it, it, there, there probably is for different parts of the world there probably is for different investments and <clears throat> economically i think it's got to involve a continued push to invest in new technology you know we've done so much over the last last few years and there has been new technology coming out i haven't necessarily felt that We've advanced that much in the last, say, six to 12 months because of everything that's going on in the world. But it's, it's all part of a, a mix. And it's a mix that, that countries need to be in control of. It's a mix that 
that does involve new technologies that we can actually export internationally. So it's not just about, you know, the, the molecules, the energy and the electrons. It's also about the technology that, that we can send around the world. And it's not it's not also about generating just energy on our on our doorstep, but actually having some um, tentacle, if you like, into into the, the, the global world. That That is the long term. And I think short term, though, there is a solution. There is a kind of sweet spot solution here. And I think if we start looking at the subsidies that are involved remove a few of these around, it's it's often suggested that renewables and, and clean fuel attract the vast majority of subsidies and the only way they work is because governments chuck subsidies at them. Actually, the, there is a vast amount of, of, of subsidies that go into the fossil fuel market, in fact, far more than renewables. Uh, to the tune, I believe, globally, and this is a staggering figure, of around 11 million US dollars a minute. Now, if, if those subsidies were moved around the balance sheet, just in part, forget windfall taxes. I think there's possibly a, a, an answer here to move some of those subsidies around. You would accelerate renewables. Energy majors would not suffer. They're still investing in renewables after all as part of their plans. All you're doing really is moving some of those renewables around their balance sheet. And it's interesting because typically the renewable part of their businesses tend to be less profitable because the, the power purchase agreements that they've got aren't as, uh, aren't as strong as, as fossil fuel uh, offtakes. And so from a corporate tax perspective, it might actually be quite efficient. I just feel that there's something, there's something hidden there that could actually help. No windfall tax, just move some of the subsidies around. That's, that's really interesting, Ben. And, you know, you talk about subsidies and some of the solutions are, are sort of well-published and well-known. Do, we, do you think we need uh, some new thinking on this and to shift the dial with some new thinking on this? And what do you think that might be? Well, look, we are living through the largest change in humanity ever right this is this is massive we're it's, it's an energy transition the last one we probably could say there was there's the lng transition before that you had coal and then gas and the industrial revolution this is massive and the shift in power and geopolitics is one that's never been seen before now i i believe that there are real blind spots going down these these different alleys and unintended consequences as part of the the energy transition so new thinking is needed uh, and that's really to ensure that we stay ahead of the game and we don't fall into the trap of the last energy transition where dominance of the product, oil and gas, was, including the supply chain actually, was controlled by very few and still is controlled by very few for so many. And this is, this is fundamental, I believe, Nick, that, that the long term, and it's kind of like, how do you deal with this trilemma? And it, it, it isn't as simple as just looking at your local your, your local situation. It's got to be a global, a global solution, but owned by more than just a few, a few small parties. So it's about geopolitical control of resources that are needed to build the technology that's responsible for the conversion of energy through the value chain to the final use. So what, what am I saying here? That it's not just about the molecules, but it's actually the, the, the vast majority of raw materials that are associated with energy transition, they actually you know, special rare earth elements and, and minerals. They, they come from typically underdeveloped locations and nations, generally areas of extreme poverty. They're, they're also incidentally on the highest level of corruption index. So you could say they're actually quite vulnerable on those three grounds, but also they happen to be 
locations where the, the highest level of ecological damage could be done and, and really impact our, our world. So it's like a perfect storm. If we don't extract correctly and manage the process correctly, we end up with probably some nations being um, adopted by, by countries or, or taken, taken down a, a channel which doesn't necessarily lead to global energy transition. And, and interestingly, most of these materials, Nick, most of them, over 90%, actually are shipped to China where they're processed. So China operates the majority of the processing from these countries where actually they're probably hugely vulnerable. So I think, again, globally, we have to look at how do we manage the extraction of those materials because they are critical, absolutely critical to our energy transition and, of course, security of supply and, of course, cost of supply. That's great, Ben. And you've, you've kind of highlighted some of the major challenges and issues. What do you think we need to do now or, you know, to start, start addressing some of these challenges and issues? What do you think, Ben? So it's about horizon scanning. It's looking into the future. It's looking outside of perhaps a, a kind of myopic view, if you like. And what do I mean? Well, I, I'm concerned. I'm really concerned that as a society, because we're in this, this bubble at the moment of, crikey, what are we going to do with, with, with our energy price? As a society, we could just fall back to what we know and love. Um, well, it's coal, it's oil, it's easy to do, um, and we can pull it out of the ground uh, across the UK. So, so there you go. Um, we're a country, though, and we're in Europe, actually. Great thinkers, huge technological advancement, and we can make a difference. But we probably need a platform to really make that work. It's kind of global leadership. This is going to be something that brings our technologies together so that we're seeing beyond just the obvious, just hydrogen. But actually, what can you convert hydrogen into so you can move it around the world a bit quicker, a bit safer um, and store it for longer without too much energy? So we, we probably with that to make that actually happen, we probably need some fiscal instruments in our toolbox, tax management, maybe in the UK development zones with zero tax for maybe energy parks. Beneficial power purchase agreements, PPAs that I mentioned earlier, that benefit zero carbon energy as opposed to ones that, that perhaps don't encourage you to you know, generate solar electrons and put them in the grid on a, on a sunny day. So that's one area. I guess another aspect that I'm really keen on is, is how energy, when it's verifiable zero carbon, how it's traded. At the moment, there's, it's, it's pretty opaque, really, as to where the energy is coming from that, 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 that goes into the, the market. And energy is typically, or gas and oil, typically, it's typically traded in petrodollars, so it's linked to the US dollar. If you had a different platform that is specifically around clean energy, it would allow funds, investors, developers, and of course, governments to invest and trade green electron-based energy and, and the molecules and the derivatives that come from them. It would be a verifiable system, governable. It would be a platform on which you could trade with, with, with some confidence. It would also, Nick, it would decouple the green molecules from the carbon intense energy. And, and I think that in itself would, would probably drive a slightly different investment curve into into different energy markets. I like the idea of petrodollars and that kind of takes the argument or the sort of initiatives forward. Do you think there are other real opportunities going forwards and how we can sort of really drill down and tackle the energy trilemma? What do you think, Ben? So aside from gaining security of supply, um, I think countries need to balance their desire for obviously the immediate cheaper power um, over the other two aspects. 
And we've probably got the opportunity here to maybe take a, a leadership role 100 plus years or so for advancing technology and deploying that technology. And as a UK, having real influence over that global supply chain, what's required to master the trilemma, your trilemma, as you've, as you've outlined at the top of, this, uh, top of this session. And one or two immediate opportunities that I see, they're in the sustainable aviation field known as SAF. Um, and that's really taking uh, products from zero carbon energy sources and taking that really to an affordable and locally grown fuel that we can use for flights. I think that's that's an immediate opportunity and certainly one that we as, as KBR advisory are having discussions in KBR generally all around the world. Another immediate one, which is really going to tackle the, uh, the trilemma is green ammonia. Ammonia is a powerful energy vector. It's, it packs a punch. And I think the real opportunity here is how do you crack ammonia back into hydrogen? It's made of nitrogen, hydrogen, cracking it back into hydrogen so you can move it around the world and deliver it as hydrogen molecules. Those two things over the next 12, 24 months, I believe they're going to be key really to, to, to move it, moving the needle on the, on the trilemma. That's that's interesting, uh, Ben. And we talked about technic technicalities and you know technology and innovation and and some areas where we could see change. Are there economies and businesses, nation states, investors out there making real progress? And you know, are they alleviating the issues around the trilemma? And what can we learn from them? Do you think? So, Nick, we can learn a lot from different parts of the world. It's a big old place, the world, as we both know, but they're all slightly different, and the way they sit on the trilemma is quite different. So, example. South Africa last week, where I, where I spent uh, spent a week working with a couple of energy uh, majors, NOCs and the government, on their decarbonisation strategy. Uh, they happen to be one of the biggest, the largest CO2 emitters on the planet, so kind of important. We, we've been looking at energy production opportunities on their western seaboard, so the, the Atlantic coast, how you integrate clean energy into what is effectively one of the poorest developed networks uh, for, for, for a large country. How do you decarbonise transportation? Um, gradually, sustainably as well, we introduce green molecules into what is effectively a really hungry set of, uh, of, of chemical processes. Now, looking at all of that as a strategy, while, and this is really brings it starkly into, into vision, the country's experiencing rolling blackouts due to energy scarcity. So every four hours, five hours, the power's off. Um, and, and it's their winter at the moment, so it, it's, it's already quite dark and all the lights go off. It's a really hard one to work through, Nick, especially when you start looking at the amount of investment that's required. But, and this is crucially where our role comes in, the returns on that investment, the global export markets from what is massively, massively rich environment from, from natural resources is huge. Coming from the Far East, coming from Northwest Europe, the opportunity is absolutely clear. So for something like South Africa, it's, it's happening early stages but i believe that the considered approach that a country like south africa is taking is really really critical they're not going to walk down any blind alleys and and the unintended consequences will not be there there are others we could talk trinidad singapore australia and of course the uk they're all different though nick they're different demands singapore is a great example of one that's really benefiting from its government to government relationships its trading position in energy derivatives and actually, it's a data-hungry location, so they have many, many data centers using vast amount of energy. And so with a really loud voice, probably the loudest after Japan, they are wandering around the planet, pulling together supply chains for clean energy projects to provide them with energy that they can then turn into other things, whether it be 
other forms of energy or chemicals or even energy for, for data. So digitalized uh, energy transition, if you like. So very different. And it, it, every part of the world has a completely different way of approaching this next. That's great, Ben. And if we get the trilemma right, what do you think the future looks like? Can you, you know, what are those sunny uplands look like if we get it right? Mm -hmm. How can we go faster and be bolder? You know, with climate change sort of ratcheting up and so forth, we do need to go faster and be bolder. So how do you think we can do that? Independence, independent energy mix. And it's not all about renewables. It's a mix of it's low, it's zero carbon, zero to low carbon. It's a mix of nuclear, little bit of gas, reducing the gas as we go through and lots of renewables to power to molecules and crucially, a significant storage system. Um, some people look at this and go, yeah, but it's going to take forever. I just reflect on the fact that we actually in the UK, we've only actually had a gas grid, a proper gas grid and an electric grid. It's like 40 odd years. Um, prior to that, you had regional gas authorities and gas was actually a byproduct of coal processing. So people forget that. They believe we probably had a grid for way over 100 years and we really haven't. So we need bold thinking, bold thinking that we had when we created gas from the North Sea. It can happen, Nick. We just need to provide the technology and the, the bold thinking to, to bring this stuff together really quickly. And again, I've said this before, but Tesla 10 years ago, it wasn't even... A, a proper manufacturer it's now the biggest car manufacturer in north america you put these thinking together and you you absolutely can do it without forgetting that we need heritage oil and gas just to push us through the next 10 15 20 years we're coming to the end of the podcast and you said some amazing things and a lot of food for thought ben what's the one thing perhaps from our conversation today that could be done to really accelerate you know really sort of take on this challenge and so, tr solve some of the issues with the trilemma I've, I obviously come to this um, this session with a, with a few ideas that I wanted to talk to you about. And for me, the boldest thing that I think globally we could do, and it is it is a bold old thing to do, is the currency. It's the currency in which new energy and its derivatives are traded in. It, it answers things like how much carbon is in something. It answers carbon trading, but it also moves us away from a single currency, a, a single geopolitical driver for uh, for how energy is traded. So you move away from petrodollars. It moves away from a single country or countries having dominance of that currency to a truly open, globally traded electronic currency. It's not pegged then to oil and gas, but it's transparent. It's also visibly and provably carbon neutral or negative, negative, ideally, um, and provides a surety to investment houses, investment communities, trading governments that the energy is zero carbon. It also avoids any connection with the instability of what we are seeing right now of geopolitically charged fossil fuel markets. They're, they are they are not stable. It is a bold step, Nick, massive. But I feel that if it's got right, you could probably do a lot more for humanity than just provide an answer to your trilemma. That's 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 a really interesting thought, Ben. And if you think about it, it also rewards you know all all energy payers for the the right behaviour, you know, and and for the direction we want to to go down. So that's that's a that's a very good point to end on, Ben. And and a, a lot of food for thought there. And thanks, Ben, for joining us. And I'm afraid we've come to the end of the podcast, but lots of lots of things to think about. And I look forward to the next time, Ben. And thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Thanks, Nick. It's been an absolute pleasure. Wow, now wasn't that a super cool episode, guys, and educational too. 
I'm curious to know what you felt about it because I really enjoyed this one. I think there was a lot of takeaways from it and in fact Ben's team has co-authored a paper which is called Solving the Energy Trilemma and that paper will be available at kbr.com so you can try to find it by finding KBR on our social media and you can uh, stay tuned for more episodes in this series that are gonna be aired in the coming months but meanwhile do let us know what you think about this mini series how are you liking it is there any other topic that you would like us to touch upon and we would be very happy to do so and i'm very very happy to have had the opportunity to listen to ben enlighten us on this energy trilemma which is something amazing and new for me to learn as well other than that guys if you're interested in watching videos about our technologies they are also available on uh, kbr's linkedin page all you need to do is just go to the home page look uh, for the videos on top just go and all the videos will be there so we have um, our leaders talking about everything from energy transition to decarbonization to blue ammonia to our chemicals and how each of these technologies is a sustainable technology so please go ahead listen to our podcast watch our videos tune into our webinars and please please stay connected because we have amazingly exciting stuff coming up at all times at kbr so thank you so much for listening up and i hope you enjoyed this episode as much as me so until next time stay safe and stay healthy and very very sustainable bye bye